I'm going to begin with a simple test to see who was listening last week. Research has demonstrated that 75% of Americans are dehydrated. Nobody laughed. Okay. No, I know I, I had some rather harsh things to say about using science instead of spiritual discernment last week, but that's not what I'm doing today. Today I'm building what you would call an analogy. So I'm giving you an example of something to highlight and teach another truth. And so research has shown that about 75% of Americans are dehydrated, and that does have some relevance here in just a minute. Uh, Dehydration occurs when you lose more fluids, more water specifically, than you take in, and your body doesn't have enough water for its normal functions. Our human bodies are made up of about 50% water. That's a lot of water. And the average person drinks about two and a half cups per day of the 10 that they really need, roughly. Water is essential for our life, and really until recent history was actually very difficult to get. Very hard to get, very hard to keep clean. And in this country, this day and time, we have an abundance of it. That is not the case in history. One of the problems about dehydration is that by the time you feel thirsty, you're technically already dehydrated, right? So that's something you have to keep up on a recurring daily basis, or by the time you feel like you need something to drink, you're already beginning or are dehydrated. Some of the causes of dehydration, or some of the outcomes of it, I guess, are fatigue, mental fogginess, irritability, slow metabolism, and low energy. I don't know if that describes any of us today. (laughs) Other concerns is it's often misdiagnosed. So you may be dehydrated and have symptoms, and they don't catch that, so they think it's something else that's wrong with you that really isn't. And, of course, that creates a lot of danger when trying to determine what you're suffering from. A lack of water also, oddly enough, gives your body an urge to consume more salt, which doesn't really help the situation, so it can be a rough cycle. And very interestingly enough, if you weren't aware of this, oftentimes when you feel hungry, you're actually thirsty. Your body does not do well differentiating those two feelings. So sometimes the reason you eat is not because you're hungry, but because you are, in fact, thirsty. Now, the good news is you can overcome this by drinking water, and it takes about 45 minutes to kind of get into your system, and you're back to par, back to shape. So what does all this have to do with anything? Well, let me... Read Psalms 63. We've been here before, I'm pretty sure, but I'm going to read the first four verses of Psalm 63. It says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beheld your power and glory, Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. And so the key there, I think you see where I'm going, is the thirsting of the soul. And so the question I have for you in 2022, on the second day, is, is your soul thirsty for God? 
right? Are you dehydrated, if you will, from the Spirit? Now, I mentioned that, again, drawing an analogy, that many of us in America today, we don't drink enough water. We're dehydrated. Most of us don't even know it. The concern I have for us today, in all honesty, is that many people who are actually Christians, who are saved and know the Lord, may be dehydrated from the Spirit, and we don't even know it. So to conclude what I was trying to start with here, this analogy, let's look at it from a spiritual perspective. Many of us may have no idea that we're dehydrated of the Spirit. We don't have enough of the Spirit living inside of us because we've grown so used to it. Just like with water. You don't realize how much you need until you have enough, and then it goes away and you miss it. And some of us have probably done this. No doubt many of us probably made New Year's resolutions, and a lot of times those resolve around a diet or a weight or something, and so we start drinking water. And I've mentioned this before. You start drinking a lot of water, and you realize how much more water you need. And if you stop, you know it very quickly. But as with anything else in life, as you ease off of that, it's easy to fail to recognize that you need it. Right, as you get further and further away from it. But if you were just to stop drinking and you were used to drinking a lot of water, all of a sudden you would be like, wow, this is really different. I think it's very similar for us with spiritual things. If all of a sudden the spirit was to be completely closed off from us, we would notice it immediately. But if we begin to wander further and further away and fail to take in the spirit of God in our lives, over time we begin to not realize that we are missing the spirit just like with water. I'll also add that just like with water until when you feel thirsty, it's already too late, right? You've already are dehydrated. I think it's often the case with us today. Sometimes when we feel like the spirit is absent, it's probably too late. Now, not too late as in dehydration, because I said you can re-up very quickly. But if you're starting to feel as though the spirit is distant from you, that you're not where you should be, you're probably already there. Does that make sense? So let's talk about some of the other spiritual causes that I think are somewhat related. And again, this metaphor breaks down, so don't follow it too closely. What about spiritual fatigue? Spiritual fogginess? Irritability? Slow to discernment? Low energy? Hmm. What about misdiagnosing this as something else? Remember, I talked about how if you have a lack of water, you might go to a physician and they may say, well, we think this is wrong with you. And really the issue is you don't have enough water. How often in our lives do we have a concern or a problem and fail to realize that what it might be is we're not allowing the spirit of God to live inside of us as he should be. And that is oftentimes in many ways the culprit behind the issues we're facing in life. We misidentify the problem, if you will. And then because I think sometimes we have this gap, we have this problem, just like when we don't have enough water, we reach for something that's salty or we eat more food, which is really not good for us. So when we have a issue where the spirit of God is not living inside of us as we might desire or might need, and we know that there's an absence, we might reach for something to replace it that isn't healthy for us, something that is of the world or something that is sinful. Notice I separated those two things because you can feel absent from the spirit and pour too much into your family or into your job or into your church or into anything that might be good, trying to overcome the absence of the spirit of God in your life. And therefore that be wrong, just like it's not wrong to eat food. But if you need water, you need to drink 
water. You see, there's the similarity. And as I mentioned, the positive thing is it only takes a short while to get re-upped, to get filled with the Spirit, if you will. So turn with me. I'm going to be in John for uh, a couple of minutes. John chapter 4. It was really hard to narrow down discussions and comments on water. Water plays a huge role in the Scripture, surprisingly. When I started looking at it, it just really never came to an end. From the very beginning all the way through the end, we see water being a divided. We see water being walked on. We see water being turned to wine. We see water gushing forth from rocks. We see water coming out at Christ's crucifixion and so on and so forth. All the way to the very end when we see there's a river of living water flowing in the great city. But in John chapter 4, we see a very familiar story. I'll summarize the first part. We see Jesus is at the well and we see a woman who goes during the hot part of the day likely to avoid other people. And she's looking to draw water and Christ is sitting there and they have this conversation. Now, the, the focus of the story today isn't so much the conversation, but to set the stage. So John chapter 4, beginning with verse 7, we'll pick up the story. It says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for me, ask a drink for me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God... And who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw the water with. And this well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whomever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so again, we've preached on this topic many times. You have read this many times. There's a great number of lessons that can be learned indeed from this text about sin and about salvation. But what you see in this is that Christ goes right to the heart as he does so often when he interacts with someone. She was there looking to satisfy her earthly, her bodily thirst. And Christ goes right to it and says, If you knew who I was, you would ask me for living water that will dwell up inside of you and never cease. And so she begins to be curious about this and they have this long conversation. But I want to notice something here that you may have missed before and is easy to perhaps mistaken. Notice he doesn't say that he is the living water but that he would give the living water, that living water would dwell inside of her. Now, I'm not trying to split hairs, and we just talked about all the great things that God is and all the things that he is. And by this, I do believe that what he is referring to, that living water, is the Spirit of God. And so, in a sense, as being a part of the triune Godhead, yes, he is kind of referring to himself, but he is talking about the role and duty that the Holy Spirit fulfills in our lives. In fact, if you turn over just a few pages, John chapter 7, we see this a little more clearly. John chapter 7, beginning with verse 37. 
So on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whomever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, another translation says it this way. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And I think what is trying to be done here, what I'm trying to demonstrate here by way of examples and analogies of the earthly things and the desire we have for water is that the spirit of God, when you are saved, is set inside of you and is a well that never ends. There is perpetually the spirit of God inside of us when we are saved. And this is what allows us to not be thirsty, if you will, to go to him and drink the living water. It dwells inside of us. It is the spirit that is set inside of us. That spirit, as Ephesians 1 tells us, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantor of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And see, when we are saved, the Holy Spirit is set inside of us to dwell. And this is where we get our energy and our nourishment from the Spirit. The problem is, if you're unsaved, then the Holy Spirit does not live inside of you. And if you had no water living inside of you, what would you be? Dead. And the reality is just as true. If the Holy Spirit is not living inside of you, if God has not sent the Holy Spirit into your life after you've been saved, then you are dead. And the only way to become alive again, to be revived, to have that new birth, is to have the Spirit of God placed inside of you through your faith in Him. And so we see how this works. Now, as I mentioned, we must be careful not to take the analogy that I've given you too far because we can have issues with this. So, for example, I wanted to make sure I make it abundantly clear. Once you have been saved, once God has set the Spirit of God inside of you as a guarantee of what is to come, that can never, ever, ever be taken away from you. Once you are saved, you are always saved regardless of what happens in your life or how you may feel. However, you can as the Bible says, quench the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19. It says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. And that quenching means to extinguish or to put out or to still or to quiet or to repress. And isn't it interesting that we use that same word and we talk about our thirst. If you want to quench your thirst, you drink water. If you are quenched, you want to ease that with water. And we look at this the same way when we talk about the Holy Spirit. The reality is, for those of us who've been saved, we can do things in our lives that push the Holy Spirit away and begin to quench off His effectiveness. Not because He has no power over you, not because He has no control, but because God is allowing you to move in and out and closer and further, I should say, not in and out, closer and further away from this relationship. So while you never lose your salvation, we can push the Spirit of God away so much that we become dehydrated, if you will, without even knowing it. And the concern, again, that I have is many of us are what you would call chronically dehydrated of the Spirit, and we may not even know it. So what are the three conditions 
that occur with spiritual dehydration, if you want to call it that. First, as I've already given allusion to, is the fact that you're not saved. I want to make sure I make this abundantly clear. It's not that you're just an okay person until you're saved. You are actually dead. That's what the Bible says. Your spirit is dead because the Holy Spirit that gives the eternal life is not inside of you. You are an enemy of God. You are not alive. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is unable to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so the reality is, if you are here today and you know that you are not saved, then you are actually dead on the inside. You're a hard, dried out, non-existent, dead thing. You may think that you're alive all you want to. You may look around and never realize your current state. But the reality is, that is the condition that you are in. Now, for those of us who are saved, there are a couple other things that give us difficulty when we want to be revived and know that the Spirit is there. The first one is we have some type of sin in our lives. This is always going to cause a problem between the Holy Spirit speaking to you and you speaking to the Holy Spirit that's living inside of you. Now, be careful, again, what I said. Just because you are saved, you can still fall into sin. We still do sin. And when we do that, it quenches the ability for the Holy Spirit. And sometimes, as I pointed out with water, I think we can feel departed from the Spirit. And so we can reach out for things that are sinful or things that become sinful to replace the, the, the feeling that we have inside of us, the dried up nature that we have. And it can keep us even further from God. Psalms 51, 10 through 12 talks about this. It says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. So this is David's uh, psalm to the Lord after he sinned. He was seeking forgiveness, not for salvation the first time, but to be restored to God, to be forgiven for the sin that he had committed so that he could be renewed and have the spirit within him come more alive. And it says renewed. And then later it says restore. And you'll also note to the joy of your salvation, talking to God, not my salvation. It's God's salvation of me. And so we see David seeking this out, wanting to have the spirit be more alive within him, to be restored and to be renewed. And so when we are in sin, when we have a sin that is festering in our lives, we must confess this sin and seek God for help. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And this cleansing, this forgiveness is exactly what we need if we want to be more like God, if we want the Spirit to grow inside of us, if we want to be properly spiritually hydrated. Another issue that we often face, those of us who are believers, is we are fail to um, renew ourselves, if you will. And I've already mentioned that in 
the Psalm verse 50 or chapter 51, where he talks about renew a right spirit and restore the joy of salvation. There's many other verses that talk about this. 2 Corinthians 4 and 16 says, So we do not lose heart. Through our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. You see, it's not just enough to have a drink of water once, is it? It's not really just enough to have a drink of water once a week, say like on Sunday mornings, is it? No, you must renew the water that is in your body on a day-by-day basis. And going, as we all know, just so much as three or so days without it, physically, without water, you'll die. How much more important is it spiritually that we renew our spirits every single day with God? But as I said, when we begin to step away from this, when we begin to lead away, we fail to be renewed day by day. It gets easier and easier and distant and distant. And so all of a sudden we realize we're spiritually completely in a bad place. And like I said, just with water, it's already too late when you realize it. So the key is to renew yourself day by day. Romans 12, 2 tells us not only to renew ourselves, but how to do it. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, the good and acceptable and perfect. And so we are to withdraw from the things of this world as much as we can, that we are to renew our minds. How often? Well, I'll take the previous verse and say all the time. Every day at a minimum, we are to renew our minds so that we can test and discern what the will of God is. If you want to know what God wants you to do, then you must renew your mind at least daily so that you can discern what the right thing to do is. Isaiah 40 and 31 says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Going through a hard time? You should drink lots of water. Or, going through a hard time, you should renew yourself spiritually. See, that's what I'm trying to talk about today. If you have decisions, you don't know which way to go, then you need to renew yourselves. If you're struggling to be closer to God, then renew your time with God. If you want to walk and not grow faint, run and not grow weary, if you need God's help, then you must wait upon Him and renew your strength in Him. Go back to the everlasting living well of water that is inside of you. And partake and partake and partake because it will never, ever, ever run out. You see, that's the beauty of having a God who loves us, who cares about us, who provides for us. So what are some ways that we can renew? Well, one is obvious, or they're all obvious. We can pray. And we ought to pray more often. We ought to pray every day, multiple times a day. In fact, the scripture tells us that we should continuously be in prayer. We need to read the scriptures more. We might even need to observe a Sabbath or a break more often, a period of rest. As I alluded to, I believe, last Sunday or maybe the Sunday before, I think we need to have times of 
stillness. As much as this is a real struggle for me. Legitimately, I don't like being still and not doing something. But you know what? There can be tremendous value in it. And if we want to be spiritually renewed, then we need to have times that we are still and know who God is and let him speak to us. Sometimes this is the problem that we have when we go to pray because all we want to do is talk. We don't listen very well. And the other way, as I pointed out last week, is Christian fellowship. It renews us. When we're with other people who have a spring of eternal life living inside of them, it renews our spirits. We know each other. We fellowship with each other and we encourage each other. And so to those who are here today who are believers, the point that I'm trying to make is if you want to be spiritually hydrated this year, if you want to be healthy and living a life according to God, then you must remove any sin that is in your life. You must also renew the spirit of God that is already living inside of you that will never leave. We must stop quenching the spirit. We remove the sin. We engage in prayer We read the scriptures, we take rests and breaks to meditate on who God is, and we spend time with each other. These will renew the strength that is inside of us and renew the water that is there. Those who are unsaved, well, simple doesn't mean easy. I've said that a lot, but it's real simple. You need to be saved. You need to come to a saving knowledge of who God is. You must put your faith in him to receive the life that he literally died to give you. Revelation 21 and 6 reads as follows. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Catch this. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without Payment. It doesn't really cost you anything. In some ways, it costs you a lot. But the reality is you don't have to earn your salvation. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to do these six things in order to receive the eternal living spirit of God to live inside of you. You simply have to go in faith to the one who gives. And he said, even at at the end, I am the beginning and I am the end. To the thirsty, I will give the spring of water of life without payment. Are you thirsty? Do you realize that you're dead? Is the Spirit of God speaking to you in your life to let you know that, look, whatever's going on in here is completely dead? Your heart, as the Bible describes for those who are unsaved, is a rock, dead and dry. Isaiah 55 and 1 says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the water, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Again, this idea that you can come without anything. In fact, you have to come without anything. Because I think if you come with a backpack of things that you think you've earned, or an idea that you're good enough, you're not truly coming in faith. And as I close, just a quick reminder to those of us, because I know it's the majority who are here today, who know the Lord. Isaiah has words for you as well. Isaiah 58 and 11. And the Lord will guide you continuously. 
and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. I don't think any of us would say 2021 was exactly like what we were hoping for. I don't know that 2022 is going to be any better. Just go ahead and make that prediction on the second day. But the reality is this. For those of us who know and love the Lord, there is a spiritual well spring of water, of living water that is inside of you. And if we would simply remove the sin... If we would pray, if we would read the scriptures, if we would spend time with him and spend time with other fellow Christians, that he will continuously and satisfy your desire in a scorched place and make your bones strong. And you will be like a watered garden, a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And the reality is other people will see it. They will know it. And whether they know to ask or not, they will want to be around you and want to know why you have the attitude and the faith and the strength that you do when no one else does. And you can tell them, it's because I have a living spring of water that I renew daily in my life, and I want to tell you about how you can have that too. That is how we should live. That is how we should message. That is how we should talk to those who are around us. And so in just a minute, I want to give a hymn, a time when we can reflect. In all honesty, I know we do this. I do it. I'm sure everyone else did. End of one year, beginning of another. Time for us to really consider. Where will our priorities be? What will we do? This next year, are you spiritually dehydrated? Are you spiritually dead? And so as we have a song, as we have a hymn, I want us to reflect on that. You can come here and pray about either of those things or anything else. You can pray at your seat, but let us spend a few minutes thinking about this. Are you spiritually hydrated? Or are you thirsty? Because if you are, you need to go to the one who gives freely and abundantly the everlasting living 